Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Everybody, welcome back. This is like, what better way to start our next 50 episodes than by wrapping up the last 50? We could just leave that movie unfinished, but we're not going to. (laughs) Put a bow on it, call it Christmas. That's right. So this is part two of Southland Tales. If you were keeping score during part one, Boxer Santeros is a movie star that was drafted to go fight in Iraq. Um, He disappeared without a trace, showed up in the desert with his memory array, was taken in by porn star Krista now, and was being used by Krista as part of a neo-Marxist plot to rig the 2008 election. That didn't quite go as planned because Krista fell in love with him. While he was with Krista, Boxer wrote, a, Boxer wrote a screenplay about everything that's actually really happening right now. Yeah. Baron von Westphalen and his team of scientists have developed something called fluid karma, which is the following. It's an energy source. It's a way to remotely, wirelessly control machines. It's a mind-altering drug. It's a memory eraser, and it's going to destroy the world. Also, you can travel through time. Yeah, it's a a catch-all. Yeah. Senator Bobby Frost is running for president. His daughter is actually married to Boxer Santeros. Meanwhile, Ronald Taverner has kidnapped his twin brother, Roland Taverner, and is working with the neo-Marxists to, for some reason, try to play the role of a racist cop that kills a couple of neo-Marxist movie stars. They, yeah, they want to make like a big scene out of it so they can use it to hold leverage over them. It, it, it's a, a flimsy like scheme, but you know they're they're like doubling down and shit. But then it goes awry big time. Yes. Senator Frost's wife, Nana May Frost, is in charge of the NSA and is overseeing all of the security forces in the country. That's Boxer Santeros's mother-in-law, and that's as weird as it sounds. Yeah. And the entire thing is being documented or narrated. The entire thing is being narrated by another actor turned war hero pilot abilene played by justin timberlake and he's the one who is saying that this is how the world ends and he's he's reading from revelation throughout the entire movie yeah they stoned because oh yeah he's completely batshit crazy yeah when last we left just about everybody had gathered at the Frost residence so that Baron von Westphalen could unveil his new commercial of two SUVs humping. <laughs> Krista now and Boxer Santeros's actual wife have uh, faced off and, well, Krista left. Boxer got in his car. He took off. and. Baron von Westphalen gets in his car and makes a phone call to somebody. Baron von Westphalen gets on the phone with somebody, identifies himself as the wizard of Baron von Westphalen and orders the paladin body removed from Utopia 3. What we don't know at this point in the movie, if you hadn't read the graphic novels, but we will find out very shortly, is that Utopia 3 is the offshore platform where they're drilling fluid karma or producing fluid karma or something. Yeah, they're extracting it from the planet. Yes. After that, we cut to a man sitting in a room testing severed fingers as part of Digit for Democracy, which is their plan to use 
stolen fingerprints to cast fraudulent ballots and rig the election. He's just got a bowl of fingers and he's just pressing each one of them against the little scanner to make sure it'll identify correctly. Checks out, checks out, checks out. Yeah, I love it. Like every once in a while, someone will be carrying like just a bag of thumb. Yeah. And it's like, uh, damn, dude. Well, he's currently testing a thumb that belongs to someone named Martin Kefalver, the uh, a name that the computer screen scrambles into an anagram that reads Freak Man Virtue before switching to a live stream of a stadium revival held by Bob Bopperson. <laughs> and there's an interview with pilot Abilene about the war in Iraq. And disgraced cop Roland Taverner has been declared missing. We know where Roland is. We saw Roland fall in a dumpster not long ago. Yeah. Next up is a warehouse filled with flag-draped coffins. This is Utopia 3, and they are removing a coffin from there. We get voiceover from pilot Abilene explaining that the Baron had been experimenting on soldiers stationed in Iraq. He injected them with fluid karma. Cut to the Baron signing an agreement with the Japanese Prime Minister. He is going to trade a finger for access to fluid karma. But Serpentine is the one doing the chopping, and she's always smoking. I guess the smoke got in her eyes because she cut off the Prime Minister's entire hand with a huge butcher knife. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> The prime minister naturally starts screaming, what are you doing? The contract said one finger. And that's when Baron von Westphalen reminds him that if he had read the contract, he would see that it clearly stipulates a six inch margin of error. Yeah. The baron then orders that the prime minister's hand be bronzed and mounted on his wall. Yes, yeah, just He's He's sick. He's just going to keep it as a trophy. The ice cream truck gun dealer is driving through the rain with Roland tied up and unconscious in the back. That's right. We, after he uh, fell in the dumpster, we saw him trying to make a phone call, borrowing the ice cream truck guy's phone. Yeah, and he punched him and threw him in the back. Tied yep. him up. Well, he's got him zip tied and he's laid out on the floor of the ice cream truck um, at a video arcade named Fire. Two guys in camouflage are escorting Martin Kefalver in to see Pilot Abilene. This is the first time we've seen Pilot Abilene out of his machine gun nest. He puts a bag of medicinal marijuana on the counter. Martin's a little starstruck, and, and he says, you know, my dad did is your plastic surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when Pilot explains that he's been smuggling fluid karma out of Utopia 3. He offers it to Martin as a way to talk to God. And then Pilot injects himself in the neck with it. Apparently, Pilot Abilene is trading fluid karma for medicinal marijuana. Yeah. Or he's just he's distributing it through the city. And he's that just this deal is just, you know. He's scoring, you know, this or that. Yeah, yeah, I guess just a, his, just a way to make it some kind of transaction. Yeah. Him and the soldiers are just like shifting it in from Utopia 3. Yep. We get a Justin Timberlake music video or a Pilot Abilene music video. Yeah, I love this part. It includes uh, a rocket style dance, a bunch of rocket style dancers laying on skee-ball machines. <laughs> And he's just pouring beer out all over the place. Yeah. Uh, he's all dressed up in like a bloody t-shirt. And then yep. all the all the dancers are dressed up like Marilyn Monroe and, and like uh, I don't know, like a car hop combined. It's 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 kind of trippy. They play the killers in the background. I don't know. It's just it it comes out of nowhere, but there's a couple of scenes like that in this movie where just stuff will come out of nowhere and then like just play itself off and then go to the next scene. And and like we said with in, in the first uh, half of this, I, I'm sure this all made perfect sense to Richard Kelly when he was making this. Well, but yeah, there's like hidden symbolism and stuff in them, but it's like it's not like it doesn't pop out. It's like so hidden. It's like what the hell's going on? Right. Yeah, it doesn't well, make any sense. 
no context. Yeah. To somebody just watching the movie, it just comes completely out of left field. Plus, there was a when it was originally screened, there's a cans cut, and it's like a completely different cut of the movie. Right. Yeah. Everybody's lost when they first, like, in fact, uh, after that showed at Cannes, they retooled the movie and you couldn't see the original cut. They just released it in January this year. Like, the, oh, nice. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's fucking weird, man. Yeah. Definitely weird. <laughs> cut to Ronald waking up in the middle of the street. Somehow, I, he was in an ice cream truck just a few minutes ago. Now he's just laying on the street. And he runs off, leaving his gun and radio behind. And that's the end of chapter five. Part six, wave of mutilation. We get a platform in the ocean. USI Dent employees are doing stretching exercises together, led by Naname Frost. Because, well, the Chinese do it, so why not? Or the Japanese do it, so why not? Yeah. The Trier Zeppelin, which is Baron von Westphalen's gigantic blimp, named the Jenny May von Westphalen, is about to launch from a giant hangar right across the street from the Staples Center, which is now known as Crypto.com Arena in <laughs> downtown L.A. And it is apparently powered by a giant energy field called, you guessed it, Fluid Karma. Yeah, um, yeah, that's just wild. Like thinking about that, like just getting energy through like Wi-Fi signals and stuff. Right. So the fluid karma, the drug, is, and, and this is just my thinking. I'm probably way off base here, but I'm gonna throw this out here. This drug causes people to do a bunch of messed up stuff, which generates a lot of karma. Good and bad, but it generates karma. And he's figured out a way to use that to power machines. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know, like a life force of the planet. And Yeah. It's weird stuff. You really can't go too far off base with this movie. I mean, it's, it's like the <laughs> Floyd album. You know, everybody listens to Floyd, but comes away with different interpretations of the songs. Right. This like that. Yeah, this is one of those movies. It doesn't matter how how far out there your idea is. There's somebody that's going to say, oh man, that's not even half of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Krista arrives at the neo-Marxist headquarters and Zora invites her in. She wants to get some drugs before filming her reality webcast in a giant hand-shaped chair where Roland had been tied up earlier is a box with the word boxer written on it. Krista sees it and wants to know how Zora got it. It is the Krista now Boxer Santeros sex tape. <laughs> and apparently this porn star is worried that people will see her sex tape. See it before it's supposed to be released. Okay, got it. Yeah. She's like, uh-uh, this, this isn't supposed to come out yet. This isn't part of the plan. It's to come <laughs> uh, comes out. Back outside, Krista confides to one of her porn star friends that she's thinking of going public with the sex tape. You know, some, if somebody's going to try to crash your plans, just get out in front of them. Yeah. It's a sound strategy. Yeah. They are discussing this as they walk past Martin Kefauver in a parked truck. He has a letter in his hand from the government. He has just been drafted. It's at this point in the movie that really everybody starts coming together. Yeah. The radio reports that a warrant has been issued for the arrest of former Mayor Tab Taverner as Ronald walks up the street and Martin puts a gun to his head, preparing to commit suicide rather than be drafted. Well, Ronald sees this and, and intervenes. I guess it's Roland, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one... Pretending to be his brother. His brother is the one that's like running around in like a hospital gown in the back of the ice cream truck. That's right. So this is Ronald. He intervenes. He takes the gun and asks Martin to help him find Roland. And Martin agrees. And they take off. Von Smallwood. Remember, that's uh, Senator Frost, a campaign manager. He is meeting at a cafe with Cindy Penzicki, a.k.a. Deep Throat 2. And nothing like naming yourself after a sequel. Mm. 
<laughs> I wasn't he in has that a, one. Yeah. <laughs> she has a tape for Vaughn, and there's some verbal sparring between Vaughn and Cindy about who has lost more people in a terrorist attack. Apparently, that's a point of pride in this movie. He asks what she plans to do with the money she's getting, and it turns out, well, she's going to use it to distribute her documentary film and help some women in the Middle East get civil liberties. When Smallwood reveals that he actually knows Cindy's name because she's only introduced herself as Deep Throat 2, but he knows exactly where she is, so she's going to give him a gift. She gives him a taser to the balls. <laughs> and she threatens to release more video of Boxer and Krista if Smallhouse messes with her. Outside the restaurant, Terry, Cindy's partner, is cattle prodding security agents as the two leave. <laughs> Terry just loses her shit at this point. Terry's been a little bit out there this whole time, but I think she's, I don't know what's going on, but she's full on Burning Man festival at this point. Yeah. It's like she's already like, uh, radicalized but now she's like uh what's the word like i don't know like a loose cannon like just shit's gone like everybody yeah like exactly and she it's like she's got permission to be as outrageous as she's ever imagined being and she's gonna take full advantage of it too cut to boxer on the beach he's being watched by starla <laughs> zora is freaking out because krista took the tape she had and Cindy, Cindy doesn't seem too concerned about this. She is actually more entertained by Zora's distress. I think we all know somebody like that who just finds it incredibly entertaining to watch somebody else agonizing over shit going horribly wrong. <laughs> Cut and cuts back to Boxer in the crowd on the beach. He's drinking Bud Light, Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin style. Yeah. Got a six yeah. pack of cans and he just pops the top on one and pours it over his face. Nice. And, and not even trying to, no, it's just straight up stole that from Stone Cold. Yeah. He doesn't even take it off the ring. He just kind of picks the ring up and pours it on his face. Nope. He does not smash the can against his forehead. though. Hell no. Nah. That's the rock, man. <laughs> There's a campaign commercial against Prop 69, and that, remember, is the, the referendum to limit the powers of U.S. ident. There's a clip of George W. Bush saying, we made it such that an underground industry thrives on human being. And there's footage of a wildfire and earthquakes coming from the Utopia 3 facility off the coast. Pilot Abilene in his sniper nest is watching Boxer. Starla shouts out his name, but she doesn't call him Boxer. She calls him Jericho Kane. That's the name of his character in the screenplay that he wrote. She tells him the secret he's looking for is in the, ba the Baron's chamber on the Mega Zeppelin. It's a, a dead body that was recovered from Boxer's wrecked car in the desert. She won't say any more because they're listening. <laughs> she asks him to remember her, and then she puts a gun to her head and says she'll kill herself if he doesn't let her suck his dick. <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from. It's crazy. That causes a flashback for Boxer. Boxer tells her they can rent a room at his favorite place, and, and she starts to lower the gun, but then she points it at Boxer for some reason, and that's when Pilot Abilene in his sniper nest shoots Starla, and Boxer runs off. Yeah, it's like she lured him out there under like to tell him the big government secret, and then yep. she starts living into his like uh, screen play like she's the the scientist chick and he's jericho kane right and then he, he like he shifts it on her and he's, he's like all right stay cool you know and he starts shifting into his character i think she realizes that he's like trying to play her and like she realizes what the hell she was doing you know she kind of came out of it freaked out pointed the gun at him and of course 
in this uh, modern society is fucking dystopian nightmare. There's gunner's nest, and if you like jaywalk, you're getting shot down by like a high yeah. sniper rifle with like robot. It, they, everybody's got a laptop that they used to aim this damn thing with. I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah so they're like, uh, yeah. So yeah, no, she totally got shot while screaming, "Show me your dick" on a beach. You know, it's yes, very not yeah. dignified. No, not not to go. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a way to go. Cut to Nana May in her USI Dent war room. They are tracking Zora Carmichael's and Bart Bookman, who are meeting up with Krista. The tape Krista has is the target. Krista and her porn star panel are walking through the crowded market while a guy films them complaining about the guy filming them. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. They enter a bar called the Poop Deck, and they all head to the ladies' room. That's where Krista places the tape in a safe that has a fingerprint lock. Safe is in the wall behind the toilet. Well, as she's doing this, Zora and Bart enter the bar. The porn stars get the guys in the bar to start a fight with Zora and Bart, stalling them so that they can get away. They chase the girls outside, and Bart fires his gun into the air, which, of course, gets him shot by a sniper. All of the shit is hitting the fan right now. Oh, yeah. Zora sees this, and she waves her gun at the sniper, who then kills her. Krista and her porn star friends jump into their Hustler-sponsored yellow Lamborghinis and speed away, which Naname finds very amusing. Yeah. <laughs> They're just they're just walking down this this boardwalk beach place and 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 then they start running. They they get to the edge of it and they just happen to have a couple of Lamborghinis with Hustler painted on the side, just waiting for them. Meanwhile, Fortunio calls Boxer and tells him where they can meet. Nana May is watching her screens and <laughs> gagging at footage of punks throwing up beer. Yeah, no, nah, it's weird. Like she's in like this octagon room of screen, <laughs> and it's just all you see is like spring break footage because it's like the end of the world party or some shit, right? And uh, yeah, it's like just everybody's going ape shit, and it's like it's kind of like all the bad parts of Woodstock '99. Yeah, it turns out this is actually Fourth of July. Oh yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense because the when the bombs dropped on American soil it was it was Fourth July weekend. So right. yeah, she's watching. She's watching footage of these punk punk rocker guys, and they're just guzzling beer and immediately vomiting it back up. And she can't look away, but it makes her gag every time she sees it. <laughs> well, Boxer meets up with Fortunio and a bunch of shirtless men. One of them have a shotgun, and they surround Boxer. Uh, this includes the shirtless guy with the red, white, and blue mohawk that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Apparently, the reason that they called Roland over or Ronald over when they were working when they were in the bar is because, well, they work for Fortunio. Fortunio was on the Baron's payroll all along, and they inject Boxer with fluid karma, and which knocks him out immediately so that they can load him into an ambulance and Fortunio can deliver him to the Baron. Meanwhile, the neo-Marxists are all converging on downtown Los Angeles, including Cindy, who has a ticket for the launch of the Trier Mega Zeppelin. The ice cream truck guy, he's got Roland tied up, and he's headed out there too. I don't know how he's got Roland tied up. Roland was laying in the middle of the street not long ago. I must have got confused between Roland and Ronald again. Yeah, that that's gonna that I mean that's happening. I mean it's playing yeah. by the same guy, they got the same almost same names, yeah. And vice presidential candidate Elliot and his family are at a concert a few blocks away from the launch of the Mega Zeppelin. The launch of the Mega Zeppelin is being attended by presidential candidate Senator Frost and most of his family. News reports a car bomb has gone off, signaling the beginning of riots. Ronald and Martin Kefauver are also headed downtown, so everything's coming to a head now. Everybody's headed to the Staples Center, and the shit's going down for real. Martin tells Ronald that he wanted to kill himself because he got drafted, 
That's when Ronald tells him that he needs to try to get to Mexico. Um, that's where Ronald and his brother are headed. This is the first we've heard of that. Yeah. Boxer wakes up in his wife Madeline's bed. She says that he quoted the Jane's Addiction song, Three Days in His Sleep. These are the final three days, and it will all end tonight. Krista and her friends in spa wear are in spa wear as the Baron pays her for a job well done. Apparently, she sold the sex tape to the Baron. Boxer tells Madeline that there is a path to end all suffering, and she should take it. No idea what that means. <laughs> Meanwhile, the tape Krista delivered to the Baron is about to go live on the internet. Everybody is boarding the Jenny May, Jenny Von Westphalen Mega Zeppelin, preparing to launch. Uh, Madeline and Boxer are also boarding the Zeppelin. Uh, they pass Cindy at the bar. Serpentine, still smoking a cigarette. <laughs> walks out of the lounge into another room and starts dancing all by herself in a different clout crowded lounge. Yeah, that whole scene's really cool. It's like uh, just one long take, and they go around the room, and the camera will fix on each main character's face. Yeah, and then like go by, and you'll just see them like kind of interact with each other, and like pass off to the next character. It's a pretty cool. Yeah, shot, uh, especially like, yeah, I yeah, liked like, it. CGI opening where it shows the design of the ship and it gives you the name of the ship and they show you what, how many decks it's got and stuff. Right. And then, yeah, it's a really cool shot. It's an impressive blimp. I mean, I, it'd be awesome if somebody actually made one. Yeah. But then there'd have to be a show. We'd have to have Indiana Jones throwing a Nazi out the window. No ticket. <laughs> <laughs> well, the camera catches Senator Frost and his campaign staff. Serpentine is dancing on stage with the Baron, who is wearing basically clown makeup and a, a big robe. Yeah, you joked uh, on the last episode where it's like every scene he's in, he gets more and more like makeup. He gets on more and more makeup. Yeah. At this point, he's like full on Ronald McDonald. Yes. It's, it's absurd. I heard a story about Marlon Brando. Oh, God. That one of the last roles he did before he died is he played an old woman in an animated uh, movie. Yeah. Because his, his agent, his longtime agent, said that he had always wanted to play a woman. It was something that he'd always wanted to do as an actor. You know, um, that was the one role that he had not played. It was a woman. And he got the opportunity to voice this woman, this old woman, in an animated show. And he said he went over to Marlon Brando's house one day, and he was expected. So he just walked in. You know, he was there by appointment. So he just walked in, and he's walking through the house looking for Marlon. And he walks into the kitchen, and there he stands in the white curly wig, and the flowery moo moo fixing himself a cup of coffee. It was a voice part, but he was such a method actor that he had to put the costume on in order to play the role. Oh, yeah. I heard that story, too. The, that guy's a nut. There's a documentary on the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau. I love that movie. That, the, the, the direct, like that, that documentary and like all the shit that director went through to get that movie. Oh, I made. bet. Oh, it's insane because they fired him and it wasn't really his fault. He was doing his job. It was like everybody that was on the set was like sabotaging all the actors and shit. And oh, oh man, I, I, I can imagine that was a seriously messed up movie. Oh, yeah. Great documentary. Highly recommend that. I forgot what the name of it is. I love that director, though. He, he kind of like he was an up and comer and then like all kinds like just cut ties after that movie. And then, yeah, oh, man, he's punk rock as shit. Yeah. Well, up on the stage, Serpentine tells the Baron that Boxer survived. Madeline is asking Boxer how it's all going to end, and he says it's going to end with a handshake. She dreamed that he had died, and then a man tells Boxer that his presence is requested alone. That can't be. Uh -huh. It's like getting called to the principal's office and shit. Right. 
cut to Nana May back in her war room. She is foregoing the night's festivities. Apparently, it's, it's a night to work late. And the camera reveals that underneath her desk, she has both a gun and a big old knife. <laughs> uh, Boxer stops at a locker in the blimp, which opens with his thumbprint. And he takes out a gun because how would he not know that there was a locker that he could open that would have a gun for him in it? It just plot device because movie. Because movie, yeah. Uh, two sex mock. <laughs> Yes. Uh, when the door opens on the Mark suite, a standoff ensues. Boxer versus the web guy, Dr. Kunstler, and Dr. X. I yeah. just love the fact that they named Curtis's arms, Curtis Armstrong's character Dr. Soberin X. Uh, also, it's weird how what's his, Kevin Smith plays this fat guy. He's like one of the secret doctors. Yeah. And he's just like this fat guy in a wheelchair with like a big beard. And he's wearing like paramilitary gear and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, he got this job by when Donnie Darko came out. There was a on DVD. There was a, a version of it that had Kevin Smith on the uh, director's audio, audio commentary. And it was just pretty much him and Richard Kelly watching Donnie Darko and talking about weird shit. And like. He's like, yeah, man, I'd love to work with you on a film. And Richard Kelly's like, oh, I'll put you in my next movie and shit. You know, time went on and shit. And then this movie came out and there's Kevin Smith. And I knew all that shit, you know, because I was a big Richard Kelly fan. Right. But when he pops up on the screen, I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucking Kevin Smith. He fucking, they, yeah. they really, they, they were talking about. Nice. Well, Nana Mae Smith will, er, Nana Mae Smith. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was my fault. Nana Mae Frost will not leave her post. She tells Senator Frost that the neo-Marxists are trying to rig the election, but the senator's campaign has learned that the neo-Marxists have actually infiltrated U.S. IDENT. She's in danger, and they need to get her out of there. Meanwhile, in the Mark suite, the doctors are explaining serpentine dream theory to Boxer. The title, the title generator in Utopia 3 has slowed the rotation of the planet. We've heard this before. Yeah. This was Called in Boxer's screenplay. The, the title generator in Utopia 3 has slowed the rotation of the planet, causing a rift in the space-time continuum near Lake Mead, just like in the screenplay Boxer wrote. Uh, Dr. X explains that they launched monkeys into the rift, but the soul of a monkey can't survive that. I can just picture him standing on top of Hoover Dam, tossing monkeys off into yeah. a rift in the space-time continuum. Has anything happened? Man, ain't nothing happened. <laughs> Throw another monkey. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're cutting it close to the monkey budget. I think we didn't cut back on the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so the Baron decided... Instead of throwing more monkeys into the hole, let's throw the movie star war hero into the hole. And they did. They threw Boxer into the rift. And when that happened, Boxer traveled back in time 69 minutes and met himself. Well, Boxer works out that he is actually Boxer Santeros from the future and Boxer Santeros from the past burned up in the car crash. And that's the body that is in the room with them in a casket and could reveal the secrets of the creation of humanity. Oh, man, that's, that's too much to drink in. It's like, what? It really is. <laughs> something about quantum physics and something about something. And I'm from the future. That guy's from the past. And then y'all are going to find out the secrets of humanity. Through what? They even give yeah. them the rock book, the, like the whole scene. This next line makes absolutely no sense to me. I couldn't figure out where it fit in. Boxer looks at the corpse that burned up in his SUV, and he says that he has never, ever considered suicide because he's a pimp, and pimps don't commit suicide. I think that's, uh, well, yeah, he's, he's phasing in and out of the Jericho Kane persona towards the end of the movie. Because gotcha. he's just right his thing. And uh, yeah, that's like something you would say in like an action movie. It comes off kind of tone deaf because like uh, 
you're not really sure what the hell's going on. But uh, yeah, like he keeps on like uh, slipping into like James Bond, cool guy, and then back into Boxer Santeros. Right. Well, the one thing that would make this make sense, and we'll find this out later in the movie, is that there was a self-destruct button in Boxer's SUV, and apparently this corpse means that he hit the self-destruct button in his SUV, killing himself. Yeah. Cut back to Ronald and Martin. They are, every time I read this, I think of Rowan and Martin. Rowan and Martin's laugh-in. Oh, sure. This is the one with the, no, wait, laugh-in, yeah, stock to me and shit. I was thinking of uh, yeah. the Smothers Brothers. This is very similar in about the same time. Yeah. Laugh-in nah. was the one with Jane Curtin. Yeah. Very interesting. I know that's not Jane Curtin. <laughs> but also had Buzzy, what's her name? It was just like a mean old Buzzy, yeah. Yeah. Shit at you with like her fucking purse. I loved her. Yeah. Cut back to Roland and Martin. Martin shows Ronald the fluid karma that he got from pilot Abilene, and Ronald takes it from him and injects himself in the neck. And that's when a note from pilot Abilene is shown. It says, I know you're frightened, but it's worth the risk. You will endure as you always have. See you on the other side, your friend Pilot. Apparently, he put a message in this syringe that would make sense to Ronald when he injected. Narration by Pilot reveals that when Ronald was in Iraq, he was the one that accidentally caused Pilot Abilene's friendly fire injury. That's when Ronald tells Martin that they have to go downtown and find the guy in the ice cream truck as a light starts shining out of his hand. Mm-hmm. Footage from a video from a news helicopter shows that LA is burning. Meanwhile, fireworks show is going on downtown. Parts of the city are in flames. The other part is uh, a giant drunken woo girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, before the news clippings, if you look in like the windows and stuff, you can see like uh, LA, like just in flames and stuff. Yeah, and it's like really steadily done and stuff. You just see, like, ever since like Port Your Life Party and stuff, it's just everything's starting to get real chaotic and shit. And uh, it totally does feel like the end of the world and shit. Yeah. Well, Ronald and Martin pull over at an ATM. Ronald's going to empty Martin's, or they're going to empty Martin's bank account, mm. but his card gets declined. So Roland decides they're just going to take the entire ATM to Mexico with them, they tie it. a chain to it. And jerk it right out of the wall. All right, first, it comes with, I've quoted this one part in the whole movie. It's like, he has, like, clean out your bank account, you know, and he goes up there and he puts this thing in, and then he turns around and is like, yo, access denied, dog. And I, I don't know, <laughs> that whole character, he's like, yeah, he's like this white Jewish kid. that's like his dad's like a plastic surgeon and shit. But he's yeah. about the entire movie. So he's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know, America's Most Wanted, that movie. You know, with Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. He's he's playing that kind of character and shit, but un- unironically. But just, yeah, that whole, he tries to get money out of the ATM. He's like, yo, access denied, dog. <laughs> I've said that so many times in so many situations. Uh, and, and then, like, yeah, he's like, just rolling gets the light bulb moment. And then the next thing you know, they're driving down the street with, like, a chain and an a ATM. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the Mega Zeppelin, Rebecca Del Rio is performing the na- performing the national anthems backed by a string quartet. Yeah, this is all right. This is the weird. It's Fourth of July. Yeah, uh, it's it's awkward as shit because it really fucks up the pacing because you're getting all this build up, and then right. all this there's the national anthem. Uh, I think it's performed in Spanish orchestra. Parts of it. Yeah, it's weird as hell, and like, only I know it's like the preamble to just shit going like absolute banana pants crazy, but it does kind of mess up the pacing of the movie. A little bit. It just kind of drags that tension out a little bit longer. Yeah, but it's like longer than it should be. I mean, but at the same time, it's cool because while they're doing the music thing, it does this like little kind of music video where it shows where everybody that we've been following so far where right. they're at, relation to each other and shit. Yeah, we see a rioting in the streets of L.A. as the ice cream truck speeds through the streets toward downtown. 
On the blimp, Boxer is doing his freaked out finger tapping again. He approaches Serpentine and says he knows what happened in the desert. He wants to know who the Baron hired, and she tells him it was Roland Taverner. And at that moment, Roland wakes up in the ice cream truck. The ice cream truck hits the ATM that's being pulled by Martin and Ronald, and the ice cream truck flips over in the intersection. <laughs> yeah, it, everything's coming together now. Oh, yeah. Harry and another woman are having a fantastic riot, it seems. They go plowing through cars into the same intersection and Terry jumps out firing an automatic weapon into the air while her friend is shooting people on the street. <laughs> Cindy's shouting over the phone that Terry has gone too far at this point. Cutting thumbs <laughs> off is one thing, but you're rioting in the street and that's just too much. A little bit. Well, Boxer works out that Serpentine made sure Taverner went through the rift with him, and that's when she remotely blew up his SUV, so Boxer did not kill himself because he is, in fact, a pimp. Of course. Then he figures out that Roland and Ronald are actually the same person. Remember, Boxer, when he went through the rift, he went back in time 69 minutes, and they blew up the SUV with his other self in it. Well, Roland went back in time 69 minutes also, but nobody blew up his other self. So Roland and Ronald are the same person, separated by 69 minutes of time, and the universe could collapse if they ever shake hands. Remember, Ron Boxer said, Boxer told his wife that the world will end with a handshake. Well, Boxer leaves Serpentine and he tells Senator Frost and his staff that the oceans are in control now and they have to evacuate the blimp. And, of course, they respond like what he said is as crazy as what he said. <laughs> <laughs> On the streets, rioters are looting the ice cream truck as Roland tries to break free of his zip ties. He manages to get a gun and escape. Martin and Ronald are going after him. Police in riot gear are trying to put down the riot, shooting everybody they see. And for some reason, a rioter runs up to Martin, hands him an AR-15, and then runs off. Well, yeah, he looked like he was like on his side. So he's like, here, take this, you know, fight the oopoos. Yeah, maybe it was just one of the prop guys remembering, oh, shit, he's supposed to have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know the way this movie's gone so far it's plausible <laughs> yeah well roland and ronald see each other but that's when a cop shoots roland ronald runs up to the ice cream truck and he also gets shot but he climbs inside next to roland the driver of the ice cream truck is crawling out with that syrian rocket launcher that we saw earlier the one that Zora could not afford. Yeah. He gives it to Martin, telling him that you can't miss with it. <laughs> and in the back of the ice cream truck, Roland has been shot in the head. He's been shot. He got his eye shot out, but he's still alive. And he reaches out a glowing hand to Ronald. They shake hands. Their glowing hands get stuck together. And I guess the world's going to end now. Meanwhile, on the Mega Zeppelin, the porn stars are taking the stage as dancers. <laughs> on the street, the ice cream truck is floating into the sky with Roland and Ronald, their hands stuck together and glowing in the back, just like the last scene of Repo Man. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Repo Man, actually. Yeah. At USI Dent, remember they told Nana May that they needed to get her out of there, but she can't leave work. Well, the power goes out, and Fortunio's neo-Marxists start shooting up everyone. Nana May pulls her sword. She's got a gun, too, but she th these people are, have guns, so I need the sword. <laughs> She's going to kung fu them. She grabs her sword and starts running towards them. But the red mohawk guy shoots her dead. On the mega blimp, Boxer takes off his jacket and he joins Krista on stage. They're dancing now and she tells him it had to be this way. Madeline Frost 
she comes on stage and she joins the dance as well. She's not up there to knock anybody out. She's just there to be part of the act. And so Krista is dancing with Madeline with Boxer in between the two of them. Yeah, awkward as shit. It's really awkward. And then eventually Boxer steps out of this and it's just Krista and Madeline dancing until Boxer pulls a gun and fires a shot into the air. Well, that sets off a whole bunch of alarms and he tells everybody to move to the back of the Mega Zeppelin or he will kill himself. But he's a pimp. (laughs) What the hell? Meanwhile, in the glowing ice cream space truck, (laughs) Roland tells Ronald that they have to let go, but Ronald cannot let go of Roland's hand. Roland threatens to kill himself if Ronald doesn't let go. On the Mega Zeppelin, the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, the party is over. Have a nice apocalypse. (laughs) Just what the hell? (laughs) I guess fluid karma has messed up the space-time continuum so much that it's made the movie go crazy. I guess so. This entire movie is powered by fluid karma. Yeah, it's like an Abram Zucker (laughs) route where it's like naked gun. And like just everything's like cocoa, cuckoo for cocoa puffs. It's just, uh, yeah. It says, uh, you know, have a nice apocalypse and nobody rocks the cock like Krista now. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. <laughs> oh, the sponsorship at the end of the world. Great. Exactly. A boxer in his head, he doesn't say it out loud, but in his head, he says that none of this is real. He can just pull the trigger and that'll cause him to wake up. But Baron says their mission is to destroy capitalism and dethrone God. So that's not going to work out. Meanwhile, Martin is standing in the floating van with the rocket launcher, and he's going to take a shot at the blimp. And that blimp is so big, and they are so close, there's no way he could miss with this rocket launcher. Yeah, no way. On the blimp, we get that call back to the beginning of the film as he, uh, as the announcer says, this is how the world ends. Not with a whimper, but with a bang. And that's when Martin fires the rocket launcher at the blimp. But there is hope because nobody rocks the cock like Krista now. <laughs> a boxer raises his arms to the side and he starts glowing and a bloody Jesus appears on the back of his shirt. I didn't get it. Well, all right. So when he first got kidnapped, they got him all tatted up to be the character in the movie. And so like the guy with the punk rock, the United States flag mohawk. Yeah. He tattooed all these things on his stuff. And see, when I first saw the movie, I thought what was happening was uh, that that heat seeking missile couldn't hit the Zeppelin because it ran off fluid karma and there's no heat signature. And I thought when he took the shirt off and it bled, it was like some kind of, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word? Like stigmata event that like let off like and okay. allowed. That's what I thought when I first saw the movie. But yeah, it's some religious imagery and shit just to pop off right before it exploded. Okay. Well, the rocket hits the Mega Zeppelin, blowing it up. Martin loses the rocket launcher over the side of the floating ice cream truck. On the streets, the riots have suddenly turned into a music festival. Yeah. There are fireworks going off behind Martin, and he stage dives backward off of the truck. But they're like 5,000 feet in the air, so Martin's definitely dead. Oh, yeah, most certainly. In the truck, Ronald tells Roland it wasn't our fault. Uh, This is Roland working through his guilt over the friendly fire incident. And we hear the voice of Pilot Abilene one last time as he says, his name is Officer Roland Taverner, and he's my best friend. He is a pimp, and pimps don't commit suicide. And roll credits. Roll credits. That was a hell of a trip, Jesse. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. No, man, it was it was worth the trip. It was just a long way to go. Yeah. Um, This movie could easily have been an hour shorter and it would have done a lot better than it did. But the director would have hated it because he didn't get to say everything he wanted to say. That's all there is to it. 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it adds like another forty minutes or something in the the can cut. I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's like an almost Good another God. to this movie that got cut. Man, that would make it over three hours long. Yeah, almost three and a half hours. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of like. I mean, those cut. director cut Lord of the Rings movies are three and a half hours long too. Oh, but yeah, this is uh, this was an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man this is why you don't let somebody put their entire twitter account into a movie too <laughs> yeah screw that i don't know Cause that's uh, that's basically I, what he did here i like that they got like the artistic freedom to do it sure because like uh a lot of times with stuff like that yeah they, the studio gets a hold of it and it gets everything gets cut out and it's just they start test uh marketing the shit you know with test audiences and that'll get that'll get a bunch of shit trimmed or reshot but yeah this movie is like they don't they they're definitely not making movies like this now no uh, absolutely not even like independent movies are getting like you know the studio treatment and stuff and everything's trying to make an award show here and we gotta release this before this award ceremony and yeah this was like a like a really cool independent art house thing with a big budget and um, the cinematography on it was great too it was a fantastic uh confusing as hell uh wouldn't put it on you know at the thanksgiving dinner you know but if you're like if you're in college or something and you you and your friends got an afternoon to kill definitely give it a watch and hunt down the absolutely comics are way cooler you know it's good to get the whole story right yeah if if you've got a weekend with nothing to do you're higher than giraffe balls and you got a stack of pizza and a, a barrel bucket of Kool-Aid. Go for it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I think that's a podcast. Hell yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at cdfpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to patreon.com slash cdfpod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.